Thank you for tuning in to the Believer's Church of Johnson City podcast. We are grateful you stopped by. Regardless of where you are in your faith journey, we hope today's teaching is both challenging and also encourages you to move closer to Jesus. You can subscribe to the podcast if you want weekly messages, leave a review of your experience, and if you wish to become a giving partner, you can do so by visiting our website at believerschurchjc.com. And of course, we want to encourage you to come see us in person. We are located at 6110 Kingsport Highway in Johnson City, Tennessee. As always, we hope you enjoy today's message. A.W. Tozer, the writer and preacher, once asked these four questions. What do we value the most? So I want you to think about these as I ask these. What do we value the most? What would we most hate to lose? What do our thoughts turn to when we are free to think what we will? And finally, what affords us the greatest pleasure? So I'm going to ask those four questions one more time, and I want you to give it just a little bit of thought. What do we value the most in your life right now? What do you value the most? What would you most hate to lose? What do our thoughts turn to when we are free to think whatever we will? And then last, what affords you the greatest pleasure? Based on these four questions, I ask you guys today, what's your treasure? Or maybe even a better question, where is your treasure to be found? had an opportunity on Friday morning to meet with a couple missionaries from Alaska. And this is a time of the year that they come in to meet people that have already contributed to their ministry, but also they're seeking new donors. And it was very clear in a conversation with them what their treasure was. We think about the way our families, or if you're single, the way that you move through life and the things that are important to us. And this is a couple back in 2018 with two small children that take their family to do ministry in Alaska. And the entire time that we're on this beautiful fall day having coffee, they're saying, we can't wait to get back to Alaska. A time in which if you've ever lived in Alaska or know much much about it, you hear the conversation about the long winters. And the long winters, which are seven months of the year in this area close to Fairbanks, in which there's only four hours of daylight every day. How well would some of you do? And then also, many cases, negative 40 degree weather. Yet they can't wait to get back to the opportunity to serve and to be with these people. They have clearly discovered and understand what their treasure is. Our first core value at Believer's Church is formation or spiritual formation, and this means to become students of Jesus. It's very important to us that we look at this life of discipleship and we understand beyond the rules, the regulations, the rituals, all of these things, what it means to actually practice the way of Jesus. A spiritual discipline is something that we practice in our lives that Jesus did, and there are many examples of this. Prayer, scripture, worship, fasting, serving, giving, hospitality, practicing Sabbath, and much more. 
the goal is to take this practice every spring or every fall and deeply implement it into our lives in a meaningful way. In the spring, if you were here then, as most of you were, we focused on prayer. And in the fall, what we're focusing on right now is everyone's favorite topic, giving. So what is it that Jesus actually has to say about giving? Two weeks ago, we talked about what it means to live free of possessions. And in my group, which is a, which is a sermon-based group, we're actually talking about what we're talking about on Sunday mornings, on Sunday evenings. You know, people are making a lot of claims. And maybe you heard that message and you're like, okay, I've got to figure out what it is to do with all my stuff or the importance I place on these possessions that one day I'm no longer going to have. But have you already forgotten about what we talked about two weeks ago? Or is this something that you are eagerly seeking to implement into your life? Because it has to be the starting place if we're going to be the kind of givers that we're supposed to be. And then last week, a very controversial topic, we talked about the American dream and what society tells us that we're supposed to be versus kingdom living and what it really means to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. So today what I want to do is discuss this concept of treasure and how it relates to giving. So we're going to be in two different places in the Gospels. First, we're going to be in Mark chapter 12. And we're going to look at verses 41 through 44 if you want to turn there. Otherwise, you can follow on the screen. You can use your phone, however it is that you want to do it. Mark chapter 12, this is the most primitive or the oldest gospel that we have. And then we're going to skip back a few pages to Matthew chapter 6, which is part of the Sermon on the Mount. And we're going to look at verses 19 through 21. So Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44, and then we're going to look at Matthew 6, chapter 19, uh, verses 19 through 21. So let's start here in Mark, in chapter 12, in verse 41, a story that many of you in here, if not most of you, are very familiar with. Jesus sat across from the collection box for the temple treasury and observed how, how many in the crowd, and nosy, but Jesus is sitting there and he's literally watching Every amount of money, or even the passerbyers who just kind of walk by and don't do anything, and what they're putting in the offering bucket or in the box. Many rich people were throwing in a lot of money. But here's the key part to the story. One poor widow came forward and put in two small copper coins that are the equivalent today for us of a penny. Jesus called his disciples to him, and this is the learning point. He called his disciples to him and said, I assure you that this poor widow has put in more than everyone who's been putting money into the treasury. All of them, and this is so important, all of them are giving out of their spare change. But she, on the other hand, is giving out of her desperation, or she's giving out of her hopeless poverty She's given everything that she had, including everything that she had to live on. So let's then skip back to Matthew chapter 6. Just a little bit again, this is a Sermon on the Mount. And we're going to look at some uh, verses that I think you're probably even more familiar with. And this is 19 through 21. We're getting toward the end of this critical sermon, the most important sermon in history. This is what, he, this is what Jesus is telling the disciples about how to live the moral life. Stop collecting treasures... For your own benefit here on earth, where moth and rust eat them, and where thieves break in and steal them. 
Instead, there's an alternative. There's something else that you're supposed to be doing. Something else that you're supposed to be looking forward to. Collect treasures for yourselves in heaven. Where moth and rust don't eat them. And where thieves don't break in and steal them. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Thus these initial questions from A.W. Tozer. Where your treasure is, is also where your heart is going to be. So what can we say first about widows in the first century? They are clearly, if you understand anything about Judaism in the first century, they are clearly disadvantaged. They are rarely going to own land, and they're rarely going to have an independent income. Now, sometimes they will, but the majority of the time they're not going to. Often remarriage was frowned upon, even though, you know, you have no control over your, your husband passing away. And this is really for men, if they want to remarry, no problem whatsoever. But if you're a woman and your husband's passed away, it's often frowned upon if you want to make the decision for remarriage, despite the fact that these aren't realities for men. And despite the realities of this patriarchal society, we see a woman clearly in a position of poverty, clearly in a position of desperation, giving everything that she has in this moment. So what one could argue is that by doing this, she has determined her treasure. By doing this, she has showed, even though she doesn't know that Jesus is sitting there watching or paying any attention, that she has actually determined her treasure in that moment. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at these, these two, or this idea of treasure. And we're going to look at two things that we can learn through the eyes of a first century widow. Again, we are learning and we are talking about parting with our possessions. Understanding that as a follower of Jesus, when Jesus says, take nothing with you for the journey, that this means that anything that we own, the things that we possess, cannot hold any kingdom value whatsoever. And in the case for some of us, it means that we have to willingly step forward in obedience and release and let go of anything. You may say, this means my new car for an older car. This means that I need to downsize in my home. This means that we need to pack stuff up and take it to Goodwill. This means we need to stop talking about all these things is important. Well, that's pretty radical. Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. And also in part two, this idea of the American dream and kingdom living. And that kingdom living is not about upward mobility and more and more and more, but instead about downward mobility, more humility, getting closer to the cross of Christ every single day of our lives. This is a hard pill to swallow for a lot of people, not only in society, but also for people in churches. But this is exactly what Jesus is telling us to do. So as far as application, again, this stuff's not about information. Oh, that's a good story. That's wonderful. That was really noble. Instead, it's about transformation. How are we being transformed through this practice into the ways of Jesus? So what does this widow have to teach us about giving? The first is this. Giving is not about amount. And that's really, really confusing for a lot of people. It's not about amount. Instead, it's about approach. Giving is not about amount. We see that in this story. But instead, giving 
is about approach. And so many people believe that giving is about the amount that we are given. Giving. So this means that wealth or wealthy people or big donors can't yield more power in the church simply because they are giving more. Now, unfortunately, we do see this in a lot of churches. Well, we can't lose so-and-so. She owns the bank. We can't lose this attorney, this doctor, this person, that person. And we start to, to move ourselves towards certain interests for certain people in a lot of situations because they happen to have a little bit more money. If she stops tithing or that family stops tithing, we're really in trouble. But what we need to understand is that it's not about the amount. Right now, if you are a giver in the local church, or if you help those around you, as Christ commands us to do, it's never about the amount that you're giving. It's about where your heart is, the sacrificial trust in your life, the letting go of possessions and letting go of things that matters more than anything. Mark 12, 43, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I assure you, this poor widow has put in more than everyone, or everyone who's been putting money in the treasury. Now, how is that possible? How is that possible when the wealthy are just throwing these large amounts? Which, if you're looking at taking care of the tabernacle or the synagogue at this time, is obviously going to go a lot further than something that's worth a penny. How does that make sense? How can we rationalize that at all? As Jesus looks upon this, this moment, this is the realization that we can see through this story. He's not impressed with the amount. He's always impressed with the approach. Jesus is viewing the sacrifice and the trust that goes into the box. Or into the bucket. The sacrifice and the trust. Not the amount of money that is going into the box. And again, this is something that's very, very hard for us to understand. So the question becomes, uh, for us, are we in a place where this sacrifice and this trust is a real thing? All the time, we talk about people who say, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus. You know, just look at my Facebook just look at the church that I go to. Certainly, I have that kind of real dynamic in my life. But the question is this. Whenever you're asked to step into a place, as the couple that I mentioned, to literally go to the other side of the country and then north some to Alaska, are you ready to say yes to that? Are you prepared to sell your home and downsize so that you can be more of a giver to others, so that you can fulfill the ministry that God has for your life? You see, this has nothing to do with amount. This has to do with approach. It's, it's not just monetary. It's not just financial. It's not just capital. But it's every single area of our life. Is that sacrifice and is that trust really there? And for us, this is our next step to be a true, authentic New Testament church. Is the sacrifice and the trust really there? Or are we just religious consumers? Or are we just people who like to try to be around like-minded people on Sunday, but then we live however we want to the rest of the week? It's about the approach to giving, not the amount. And here's the thing, and this is really, really hard for some people to understand. God doesn't need your money. 
He really doesn't. For a lot of people, it's really easy to write like a really big check and then just disassociate yourself with everything else that has to do with the body. He doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. But the question is this, and this is what Jesus understands, more of the answer. He knows that the direction to most people's heart just happens to go through their wallet. It's the reason you get so ticked off. It's the reason that you can't wait until this practice is over. Because some of you, you're reaching out to me and I'm, you're saying, it's good. This good stuff. I really like what you're saying and I want to respond. Well, what are you doing about it? But I don't. <laughs> Unless I know the person really well. Really, what are you doing about it? If it's true, if it's authentic, if the sacrifice and the trust has to be there, if a walk with Christ has to have hands and feet, what are we doing with this? It's about sacrifice, and it's about trust. He doesn't need your money, but he does want your heart. Being a healthy giver must start with this mindset that we've already talked about. We called it a pilgrim mentality. And it's this, you can't take it with you mentality. It's there's this temporary nature to this world, to where you are. Nothing's going with you. What's the old expression? You've never seen a, a hearse pulling a U-Haul? It's not going with you. There will be a time in your life, our homes in here, full of things that will eventually be boxed up, thrown away, taken to goodwill or lost, and they will be no more. Yet today we read a story where a widow with nothing somehow manages to give everything. Everything. How do you approach, not the amount, your amount may be zero, your amount may be 5000 a month. How do you approach the idea of giving? Let me give you an example of a few different approaches regarding what I mean. Here's one approach. I'll give 10%. This is something that Mark and I were talking about in the lobby just a few minutes ago. I'll give 10%. Now, if you say, I'll give 10%, that means you definitely grew up in a church. It means you understand, because any time giving was ever talked about, it was, the, it was the Old Testament tithe, it was 10%. Now, I'll give you my opinion. I think 10% is a good place to start. I do think it's a good place to start. I think if you want to launch into this thing, I think 10% is a good place to start. But that's the approach that a lot of people have. Give 10%. That's what we're supposed to give. Here's another approach that people have. This, this is even more common. The church doesn't need my money. You know who goes there? You know what some of the people make that go there? You see all those bells and whistles they have all over the church? You see this, you see that. They don't need my money. That's, that's not something that's necessary. Another approach is this. Oh, this is so common. I'll start being more generous when I get out of debt. That's what a lot of people say. As soon as I have, do you want me to talk about student loans or should I save that for another day? Because I'm there. And otherwise I'm doing pretty good. But, but that's what a lot of people say. As soon as I'm out of debt, as soon as things clear up a little bit more, that's when I'm going to start being more generous. Here's another one. I'm just a teenager. Or I'm a senior. Or I'm in this particular area of my life in which it doesn't apply. Again, it's not about amount. 
It's about approach. I had a conversation with someone years ago that were talking about, well, we shouldn't have the expectation that people with less money should give. And this is my viewpoint on that. As someone that you guys know is a huge advocate for the homeless and poor. You know that. But this is my approach. With giving comes a blessing. And if we're not talking about amount, but instead we're talking about approach, I personally think it's discrimination if we're going to rob people with less money of a blessing. I know that may be a different way to look at it. But that is my viewpoint, that when you give, you receive more than you could ever imagine. Another approach, I don't make enough. When are you ever going to make enough to give? It's not about amount, it's about approach. And here's the, here's the, the viewpoint that I talked to my group about last time. I'll give to the point of discomfort. So let's not talk about 10%. Let's not talk about uh, 3 or 4%. Let, let's not even put a percentage on giving uh, anywhere. But what I mean by give to the point of discomfort is you might have to buy less cigarettes. You might have to cut back on eating out. You might have to cut back on a few things in your life because the church is worth that. This is the body of Christ. What else is there? What else is there in your life if you call yourself a follower of Jesus? It's hot up here. You guys loving this as much as I am? Next series, two weeks. Come on, please. It's not about amount. It's about your approach. It's always about your approach. But what, what else do we learn through this widow in the first century? Giving is not about a duty. It's not about a duty. Instead, it's about desperation. It's about desperation. I'm going to explain that. Giving is not something that we do because we're nice people or because we're fulfilling some Christian responsibility. We give because we truly understand that it's God's to begin with. Verse 44 says this in chapter 12 of Mark. All of them were given out of their spare change. Now I want you to think about that. Super wealthy, giving out of their spare change. When you give out of your spare change, meaning that you might put a, as I did this morning, a, a tip in the Starbucks cup. All right, when you give out of your spare change, it doesn't matter how much money you might have. It doesn't affect you at all. But when you give out of your poverty, and whenever you give out of your spiritual desperation... And whenever you get up, give out of an area in which you understand that Jesus paid it all for you, you kind of worry a little bit sometimes about how you're going to make ends meet. You worry. And how many of you have been in a situation like Beth and I have before when we've had these uh, surprises, what my friend Jason calls curveballs, that come in your life, all of a sudden these finances. And Beth and I have been in a position before, and we've been like, maybe we need to lower our giving, like just for a little while so that we can catch up. You ever been there before? Never touch that amount. Never touch it. Whatever else you have to do, whatever other adjustments you have to make in your life, make sure you're going in that direction. So it says she gives out of her hopeless poverty. She was given everything that she needed to live on. The Greek word for that phrase, needed to live on, is bios. 
It's where we get the word biology. So essentially this means that she is sacrificing her whole entire life. So we could look at this as a literal thing whenever she's dropping these two coins in there. We could look at this as a literal thing, but we could also look at it as, look at it as a metaphor. That whenever she steps up there, what Jesus is symbolically showing is that we're not just to sh- throw a little bit of our life to God. We're not to just throw a little bit or sprinkle a little bit here and there of what we have. But instead, our entire substance, everything that we are, everything that we stand for, and what life means is His entirely. I think you can read that as well. So the widow is desperate. And in her desperation, she finds her treasure. So maybe as you investigate your own life and you evaluate where you are today and you're thinking about this concept of treasure, what exactly is treasure? What does that mean? It is often in our own depression or anxiety or fear or insecurity or being depleted of resources, which is the case with her. Maybe she's greatly mourning because her husband has passed. Keep in mind, she's a widow. Whatever may be going on, she finds her treasure And she finds the substance of her life. And she finds what she is in her hopeless poverty. So the question is, have you felt this hopeless poverty? Do you know what this is? Do you know what this means? Because this is the place that you must give from. Giving out of duty is about rules. That's what it's about. Giving out of desperation is about connection in relationship. Giving out of duty provides the expectation of of checking off a box. Okay, we've taken care of that. Now let's get to our utility bills and our, our mortgage and our car payment, all these things. It's checking off a box. Giving out of desperation provides the expectation that you're going to experience Jesus on a different level. And do you ever experience Jesus on a deeper level? So in order to build a culture of healthy giving, giving, An abundant generosity, a culture that spreads of generosity and healthy giving. I think we need to understand why we give and who we are giving to. And before we do that, I think we have to be able to identify where our treasure is. Where's your treasure? Kids? And their birthday parties and all, all their events, their sports. Materialism. Your addiction. You know, it's very sad, but some, some of us who have struggled with addiction, that addiction becomes our treasure. It becomes everything that we're about. What is your treasure today? So back to the questions that we started with. A.W. Tozer, I want you to think about these questions again. What do we value the most? In your life, you should be able to write it down at this point. What do we value the most? Be honest with yourself. What would you most hate to lose? What do our thoughts turn to when we are free to think about what we will? And finally, what affords us the greatest pleasure? If you can look at those four questions... And you can really give a lot of thought there. And it should be startling in a lot of ways. But if we can really focus on those, what we can do is we can identify 
what our treasure is. I'm going to take a pause and say something. I don't like this series. It's not fun to preach. Uh, This has not been a very fun. I've, I've really enjoyed this year. And I've not so much enjoyed the last three weeks. The question is why? I'll bet you don't like this series either. And I bet you thought it's some kind of strange things to talk about when you start to talk about other people's money. You don't like it. The question is why? I can promise you that when the disciples are given the parable of the poor widow, they didn't like it either. And the question is why? Why is it that we don't like to talk about these things? And why is it that it's so hard to talk about these things? Jesus knew in the first century that if the disciples were to create a true kingdom movement that was going to change the world, and it did change the world. We were in Acts half the year. It changed the world. That they had to die to their own kingdoms. It's not optional. It's not something that you can think about while you go spend tons of money on these things that are not going to last. Jesus had to challenge them in that way. It was the responsibility. And this meant that their wallets had to be dropped at the altar. If you're outside of the church and you're just visiting with us today, I'm sorry, this is a weird first Sunday to come on. We usually don't talk about this stuff. You may be thinking this is strange, but if you're in here and you're a follower of Jesus, I pray that the, that the conviction of the Holy Spirit just cut you in two, because as I said, this is our next evolution. This is our next step to understand that if we are going to be who Christ has called us to be, and if we're sending out and planting churches, and if we're living out our vision and mission, radical generosity is just part of it. It's not an add-on. It's really a situation in which we can see where the sacrifice and the trust really is. Randy Alcorn discusses the difference between what he calls living on the dot or living for the dot and living for the line. And this is the way that he says it. Giving is living for the line. We will each part with our money, as we've already said. The only question is when. We have no choice but to part with it later. That's something that's not in your control. All right, you have no choice. One day you're going to die. All right, so you're going to part with it later. But we do have a choice. Today, we do have a choice to part with it now. We can keep earthly treasure for the moment, and we can get some temporary enjoyment from it, and it's very, very temporary. But if we give it away, we'll enjoy eternal treasures that will never be taken from us. Foolish people live for the dot. 
wise people live for the line. What about you? Where is your heart? Where is your treasure? You know, this thing that we call Christianity, this, this practice of practicing one's faith, is supposed to invade every space that we have. And, and putting money aside for just a second, but talking about personal treasure, sometimes it means that we have to end toxic relationships. And that's really hard. Sometimes it means that we have to check ourselves into rehab centers. And, and that's equally hard. Uh, sometimes it means that we have to make sacrifices that we don't want to make. And our vacation can't be as long as we wanted it to. Or our kids can't participate in some of the things that we want them to participate in. And it's constantly this cost after cost after cost after cost. Cost. But if you look into the eyes of a first century widow, I think, what, what boldness? What trust? Because I want you to keep in mind, a patriarchal society, widow, woman, very little money, nothing in her favor. But she recognized that through her treasure and through her relationship with God, she had everything that she needed. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed this morning, the only thing that I ask as we close out is for you to seek today with the four questions that you were asked to really identify where your treasure is. Is it in your job? Is it in your free time? Is it in your spouse? Is it in your kids? Is it in UT football? Had to go there, sorry. Where's your treasure? As we close out this morning, I'd like you to think about where that is. If you need to come forward to the altar, it may have nothing to do with giving. If you need to pray at your chair, we become closer and closer and closer to what God has for us when we first name it and identify it. And then we have the sacrificial faith and trust to turn it over. The burdens in this room and the things that you are carrying may be very, very heavy today. Identify your new treasure and lay everything else down. Father, we come to you this morning with grateful hearts. Father, asking that in this moment that the Holy Spirit, through a power that is so much greater than anything we could ever provide, works in the hearts and the lives of your people so that the devotion and the commitment 
and the follow-through to you as the perfect treasure, to an eternal investment, pours through us. We give you glory and honor for what you're going to do. In the name of Jesus, amen. You guys can stand with us this morning. We want to thank you again for listening to the Believer's Church podcast. Make sure you join us next week as we continue in this series. Also, we'd love a chance to connect with you. Make sure you visit Believer'sChurchJC.com and enjoy the rest of your week.